0: Under the Helmet. You do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. Just the moment right here, we're gonna have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you leading the league in hydration. I got a dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Find written and premium audio content at UTHdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to Under the Helmet. I am Jed Parsons, your host. Thanks to Tim Torch for coming on last week. He's going to mix in every three, four shows here. You can find him on patreon.com UTH. We do a lot of premium content over there in between these weekly episodes. I have a couple different top fives that I wanted to go over. This is essentially the NFL Combine preview show. It's going to start next week. Uh, a good point for data points. And also, if they weren't a part of the all-star game circuit, for many of the most prominent prospects of the draft class, this is where we get a fifth. Measurements and we start to get workouts. There's going to be some players that drip over, and you know they're dealing with an injury. They just want more time to prepare. You may see them on the pro day circuit or a private workout where we get more official and uh, and, and lasting numbers there for for their drills and athletic ventures. But uh, a lot of the players we will have full profiles complete once they finish the NFL combine. So I want to go over the top five players at the skill positions that have the most critical NFL combine workouts to come. And then in the second half of the show, I wanted to go over the top five pivotal prospects in general for the NFL draft and rookie drafts. And those are two different lists um, in terms of uh, the prospects that I think are most key for us and for themselves during this draft process. We want to mention it's the official show of UTHNasty.com, home to over 400 premium podcasts annually, almost hit 500 last year. UTH Trade Calculator, as well as up to the date, up to the minute, uh, dynasty rankings, and and all of that. Big board is already at 2.0, some adjusted expected draft position. We'll discuss a few of those angles as we go through these critical players in this episode. Thanks so much for subscribing. If you've been listening to this show for a while, or if you're just checking it out and you're on the new side, money back guarantee, never been a better time during the dynasty off season, but what off season, you know, we're preparing for rookie drafts. You might have a startup draft and of course, 24 seven trading advice over there at UTH Dynasty. Let's get to it. The top five critical NFL combine workouts for the skill position players. And so these are going to be players that have a lot on the line in terms of their draft position. And it could just be a clustered spot within the skill position here. So my first player is Trey Benson. Out of Florida State, really liked him. A lot of his peripheral or, or ancillary statistics um, are very solid. You talk about someone that has, has shown to be good uh, after contact and someone that has shown enough in terms of yards per route run. Uh, those are two ancillary aspects. He has some good breakaway ability uh, that he's shown at the college level. I think it's a critical week for him in two regards, that he is going to need to show that he is a good receiver. Um, and again, in college, did not do enough uh, in terms of uh, the UTH model for prospects because uh, Trey Benson, 36% receiving score and of guys that are right now in that potential top 100 or day two mix, no round one guys uh, projected for the running back class this year. But in that day two mix, and there's you know five, six, seven guys that could go day two, we're not going to get that many Uh, Maybe it's four, maybe it's five, but Trey Benson has the lowest and easily so lowest receiving score of that group. So that's his concerning bugaboo spot. So I want to see him catch the ball. I want to see him look comfortable in that regard in a new environment. The other aspect is he's a bigger back, prototypically sized. You'll love to see that 210 plus pounds projected for him for his official weigh-in, but we need to see confirmation that he's a good athlete. So Trey Benson is definitely one where he's trying to be potentially running back one, maybe he's running back three or four, you know, or five uh, in a worst case scenario. And that difference between getting into round two versus one of the last picks of round three. And I think that's the general range here for Trey Benson. That's critical. That's critical for landing spot. That's p- critical for the pecking order of the position. And so for Trey Benson, one that, again, I, I want to see more receiving ability. He barely scraped over the uh, age baseline for running back only market share once in his in his uh in his college career. And I, I just want to see that plus at 210, 215 pounds. He hasn't he has a, a possibility to put up something in the four fours, which would be very impressive. I think the expectation for some of the, the backs around him are gonna they're they're just gonna breeze their way to four fours. Uh Blake Corum, with the max speed I've measured for him, that should be a relative breeze for him. Uh, we're not going to get a workout for Jonathan Brooks. Uh Bucky Irving is going to test well. Um Audrick Estime is going to work out pretty well. Uh and so again, I, I think that Trey Benson has the much as much to gain and he has a little bit to lose as well you know if he doesn't run all that well number two for critical nfl combine workouts and I, i'm gonna go with a, a pretty obvious one which is braylon allen wisconsin running back he's another one in this bucket of the top four five six uh, running backs likely off the board come late april and for Braylon Allen, uh, he's been largely discussed for UTH on the Debbie side, the collegiate prospect side, since he got into college. Uh, we're talking about the youngest player in my, uh, from what I've seen. Maybe there's a defensive player or something, but 20.7 years old for Braylon Allen for week one. Can't drink. Uh, he's going to play some NFL games and still not be able to legally drink. And so that's going to be huge in terms of his age spectrum. Uh, frankly, when you get down to 21.0 and you're just like, well, this guy's crazy young, Brandon Cook style. But now, I mean, Braylon Allen at 20.7 is rewriting uh, the age spectrum and he has a 98% rushing score. Now, the biggest question when you get a big back like this, 6'2", 235, maybe 240, um, I would love to see. And and the thing I've talked to a a lot of times about these huge backs is they can trim down and still be prototypically sized or what we want and yet they can run a faster time they can be more elusive so what braylon allen's going to play at in the nfl is a question mark what's he, his official weigh in going to be is he going to not artificially but is he going to trim down and get in the quote-unquote best shape of his life for these workouts um and again I have a little bit of pause in terms of saying, uh, of, of what's going to happen for his workout, just because I don't have any data points of him having a 21 plus mile per hour max speed on any of his breakaway runs in college. And the way you don't have any, so when someone's in the twenties, they could run, uh, their odds of running in the four fours are pretty low or minimal. But four fives are in play, but you wouldn't rule out something in the four sixes. So for Braylon Allen, and and one thing I've talked about, this is AJ Dillon. Uh, these are these are backs like that that. Uh, they can measure, you know, the 40 time fine, but I want to see his burst. I want to, you know, go back to the tape and and part of this process over the next uh, couple of months is going to be with these running backs looking at their burst. And I have concern, you know, I, I've done some measures. Uh, I have a couple different different uh, ways that I'm going to be utilizing that. And he does not have the same burst. I mean, this is an obvious report, but the same burst as Jonathan Brooks or as Blake Corum that I've measured in the class, uh, Amani Bailey is another one. At a TCU, that I've measured his burst, um, and and Amani Bailey just as a point of reference is someone that I have a similar max speed as Braylon Allen, but Amani Bailey has a better burst, the first five eight yards of of a carry um, in a in a straight line scenario. So Braylon Allen, the burst is a bit of a concern. I do wonder if this is going to be an AJ Dillon type situation. Now is he a better version, worse version, the same, uh, but just a super sized back that we end up having questions about in terms of just being more of a of a plotting back. That is within the spectrum of outcomes here. Now, again, I like Braylon Allen quite a bit. This is not me, uh, but I do think it's a critical workout for him. He, now he has a 63% receiving score. You'll love to see that. And like I said, I mean, if it helps him in terms of burst, in terms of his, his athletic ventures in the combine and his long speed, then if he weighs in it even 228 pounds, 230, that's still a very big uh, big frame and and one that you start doing speed scores on that and it's going to look far better. Now, his breakaway score um, is fine. Uh, it's in the 43% range in college, which is percent of, of yardage that were on runs over 15 yards. So again, um, I, I don't have uh, huge concerns, but I do think Braylon Allen has the potential to be running back one off the board. But I also think if he's viewed by the NFL as more of a plotter, we could see him drift. uh, Day three isn't, round four is not out of the question, but round two versus round three um, is a vital zone and a competitive zone here for the 2024 running back class. Number three in terms of critical NFL combine workouts, Adonai Mitchell, AD Mitchell uh, of the wide receiver core here. Out of Texas, and he is one that is fading a little bit. Expected draft position was in the late 20s. Now it's in the mid 30s. So that that round one versus round two line for someone like A.D. Mitchell is huge because um, if you don't have an elite profile, day two guys, we really shouldn't care about you that much. A.D. Mitchell does not. He has a 57% production score. Uh, you love that he's going to be younger than 22 years old, but uh, look at some of the parts of his profile. Like he's already, you know, BMI of 24 and no, that's not a big deal, but uh, it is a, a small factor for these wide receivers, less so at, at, than tight end and running back uh, some of these phys- uh, physical stature things. But for AD Mitchell, I don't know if he's going to test really well for his frame. 198 pounds, and we'll see if he weighs in over 200. But a lot of guys are going to straight burn. Troy Franklin, Brian Thomas, Romo Doomsday is going to test well. Malik Neighbors for sure. We'll see about Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, You know, so I and Xavier Leggett for example. Um, a few others, Xavier Worthy. So, A. D. Mitchell he could easily get left behind in terms of what his workout is going to be. So I think for for A.D. Mitchell, someone that doesn't have the prototypical production you would look for, and I mentioned for Dynasty, round one versus round two with a okay profile as A.D. Mitchell has, that is huge to get the first round pedigree. Because first round pedigree means largely you'll, you, you, you turn a blind eye to the 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 blemishes they have in their in their production so he has them and when he gets round two or if he gets round two and he doesn't have a monster workout and become one of those quote-unquote nfl combine risers then you're going to be in a spot where it's tough. Uh, you know, it's going to be tough to have him as a target player. Uh, you hope he's going to be a distraction player in rookie drafts. You actually hope that others, uh, end up drafting him somewhere in the top 15 or 20, because we're going to be shying away because round two plus that risky profile uh, is a recipe for disaster. And it's a recipe for a pick that largely gets wasted in dynasty. Number four, in terms of the critical NFL combine workouts and, uh, I think it's almost a tie between these two, between two wide receivers, but I'm actually going to go with, uh, Xavier Leggett, uh, Xavier Leggett out of South Carolina, like A.D. Mitchell. He's another one that there was a lot more talk in January that he was a round one pick or potential round one pick. And then, you know, you see the fact that he doesn't weigh in at 230 pounds, you know, six foot three hulking. And he's going to be this super freak in terms of a workout where He struggled. You look at his max speeds from the senior bowl. You look at, uh, he weighed in at 223 pounds. Again, it's still very impressive. Uh, 6'1", 223. More of a running back build, though, than a hulking wide receiver build. 29 BMI, uh, shorter arms. And again, so we already have some data points, sub nine inch hands, and he's one that was already a boom bust profile. Here's the critical nature for Xavier Leggett and his NFL combine workout, is that If you're going to be a boom-bust prospect, the boom has to be worth it. And right now, I have him at a 79% athleticism score, and that includes some adjustment based on the senior bowl data that we got and the fact that he's one that may not turn out to be one of those super freaks, you know, a 95% athleticism score, and you can tolerate the 27% production score. So these are key aspects for Xavier Leggett because he, like A.D. Mitchell, is drifting towards round two pedigree versus round one. And like I said, I mean, you got to get A, a pretty big discount in startup or rookie drafts uh, to go after the boom bust profile. A- and and that's assuming he doesn't get round one. He's 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 going the wrong way. It's like uh, trains, planes, and automobiles. You're going the wrong way. And then Xavier Leggett asks, well, how, do, how does he know where we're going? Great question. Xavier Leggett, where are you going? And And more likely now it's round two than round one. So he really needs to turn things around. And, and honestly, he could have been off this list just because it may not be critical. You know, the, the door might already be, the die might already be cast. The door might be shut here because uh, all the NFL teams already saw him at the Senior Bowl. So a workout that that boosts his athleticism and, and, and that sort of rarity expectation, you know, might not even matter that much at this stage of the game. And finally, number five for critical NFL combine workouts, Brock Bowers. Uh, This is one where, you know, everyone's seen the picture by now, or most people have seen the picture by now of Brock Bowers hanging out with Rob Gronkowski and just looking like the little brother. And they're different. They're different creatures. They're almost different species. They both play tight end. Uh, but, you know, Gronkow- Gronkowski, a true two way guy, a blocker, uh, aficionado, um, someone that really helps out in the ground game, uh, can pass block, you know, do all these big things. And Brock Bowers, largely an offensive weapon, if you will. Not that he's opposed to blocking, not that you can't use him in that way, but he may be a guy that does not see his hand on the ground or uh, plays plenty in the slot. His landing spot is going to be key. Now, what I will say about the workout, because we've seen, I've seen, you know, he's a top five player in this class. He's not going to get outside the top eight to 10 back in January. Since in the last couple of weeks, where a lot of NFL media, when they're, you know, covering intensely the NFL postseason, that's complete now, that they're, they're turning to NFL mock drafts and a lot more NFL draft discussion. We've seen a lot more of Brock Bowers in the early teens and, you know, not getting out of the top 16, 17, 18, but we're seeing more and he's been drifting down just a little bit. So a lot of the, you know, he's going to go five to the chargers. He's going to be gone by, you know, easily inside the top 10. I'm seeing more of the non top 10 and it, it's not a huge deal again, around one tight end is around one tight end. You'd rather have them go higher, but historically there's not a massive deal on if you go nine versus 15 versus 21. Uh, but I think with Brock Bowers, you know, the, the weigh in the workout, you know, if he, if he runs in the four fives, but he's six, you know, six, three and 235 pounds, He's a subsized guy, you know. But if he weighs in at, if he's six four, two forty five, that's much closer to the average, you know, receiving centric uh, tight end we've seen historically as a prospect. And again, what if he runs at four six? What if he runs at four six five, four five zero? I mean, there, in my opinion, with Brock Bowers, there's a pretty big range of outcomes here on how historically rare he looks. And so if he gets, you know, uh, 15 overall in the draft and his his overall athletic profile is like, eh, I mean, again, I know he's historically productive in college, but it would shade uh, how we look at him in terms of how rare he is and maybe downgrade him a spot or two, especially in those premium formats where he's probably going to be a top five to six selection or have to be in rookie draft. So Brock Bowers, uh, easily the biggest name on this list for critical combine workouts, But again, I think we have, once we get the official measurements for him, and then obviously we need to put the athletic profile with the production that he had at Georgia. Recent content at UTH Dynasty on the premium side. So again, if you like Dynasty audio content like this show, uh, go more in depth. Uh, This is really just a preview. This is really just a snapshot and a little tiny taste, tidbits, uh, appetizers uh, in terms of what UTH offers, like I mentioned with the written content. But recently in the past couple of weeks, uh, you have, uh, you know, two or three times during this draft process. uh, I have a 20 minute show that came out for expected draft position. So you'll get to hear some trend lines, some players that have been moving up, moving down over the past few weeks. Every single week I have mock draft Monday. Um, So that is an NFL mock draft. I've gotten a lot that are three rounds at least that uh, I go over that result and say, what does this do for rookie drafts? The dialogue here, the team fits. Um, So we're already on NFL Mock Draft 5.0 this week. Um, Also, we got some ADP market movers in Dynasty. Uh, A lot of times you get double up shows. So you get the written content if you want to go and see the bullet points. And then you also have the podcast that you can listen to. And I, I expound a little more on some of the points. Also, recently here in early February, had a Perfect Dynasty Startup Draft series, looked at the uh, the best UTH values by each skill position, then also with some example dynasty team builds going through the entire first you know half of the 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 dynasty startup draft and looking at team builds and how things fit together. Obviously, talking about uh, the film notes from the Super Bowl, uh, and then again uh, those profiles that I talked about at the wide receiver position. That's one less impacted by uh, the official heights and weights. And uh, you know, it's a lot about production and things like that. So we've already discussed like the top eight to 10 wide receivers projected in the class, guys like Lad McConkey, Xavier Leggett, uh, Troy Franklin. Uh, also had Katie Flower on uh, in early February for a 2024 rookie mock draft head-to-head style with myself. Um, so that was a lot of fun. And again, so all that at UTHdynasty.com, general manager, subscriber. Get those premium podcasts this offseason. Have your best dynasty offseason yet. Final topic of the week is the top five pivotal prospects for NFL drafts and rookie drafts. So this list is about, again, the range of outcomes, not specifically for the combine, but mostly for what happens in late April. First one I want to go over is Bo Nix. Um, I think the second zone, uh, there's the big three, and uh, I call it the little three. Uh, the next three guys. And that is we have JJ McCarthy, Bo Nix, and Michael Penix in some order. And the recent expected draft position with more mock drafts coming out has Bo Nix as one of those quarterbacks right now that's in that mid first kind of range. And a lot of the talk is about JJ McCarthy, but I believe Bo Nix is the one that when we talk about fantasy. Uh, he has an 80% rushing score in the model. If you're above 60%, that's an elite profile from a fantasy terms. And Bo Nix is one that when you look at what he did at Oregon versus Auburn, one of the key metrics I look at is big time throw ratio. If you're over 2.0, that's an elite number. And obviously 2.5, 3.0, I mean, rarefied air. And I mean, the higher, the better, basically. Well, Bo Nix was 1.2 that ratio at Auburn, so that's a ugh, barely draftable. What are you doing? Hopefully, things change. Better luck next time, type number. And if you remember Bo Nix at Auburn, I mean, he was a huge prospect, a big name going into college, and he pretty much worked his way off the NFL draft and Dynasty radar, uh, you know, with his play there at Auburn. You know, clearly looking like a day three guy. Let's shift to Oregon. is his ratio at the time in Oregon. So an elite player at Oregon. So you see the development there, basically a tale of two halves of his college career. So Bo Nix, the Oregon prospect, definitely looks like a first-round pick, top half, maybe top 10 player. Um, But he's not really discussed much in that way. Now, the good news is in the top 16... After that first, you know, zone of the top three, four, five picks, you have a nice, uh, a nice cluster of teams inside that top 16. Between 10 and 16, you have a bunch of teams that could easily either trade up or sit right where they are and draft a quarterback. So it's a huge, uh, and I think Bo Nix also with that elite profile on the rushing end. He has the potential to go in the top seven or eight of superflex drafts if he gets that kind of draft position. Unless you know, unless he's overtly blocked. Let's say the the Vikings bring back Kirk Cousins and then they also draft Bo Nix. You know, but it's like a two-year deal with Kirk Cousins. That wait and see would probably push down Bo Nix to the late first or maybe even early second. But if he gets one of those open opportunities, say it's with uh Denver, say it's with the Raiders, some opportunity like that. Bo Nix is one that. Again, he could, he could you know, not get the draft position, but if he gets a job and the position, and I think that's in play for him within the spectrum of outcomes, we are talking about a rushing-centric guy, a guy, frankly, of the top, you know, potential first-round picks at quarterback. Only Jaden Daniels has a higher rushing score, and that translates well over to fantasy floor and the fantasy ceiling. Uh, the next pivotal player for NFL drafts and rookie drafts, Michael Penix. Wide range of outcomes. I was actually talking with a friend of mine who's a big Giants fan, and I saw a mock draft with Michael Penix, who's been fading. But he was going to the Giants um, in that mock draft early in the second round. And he, he said, I would love that. I would absolutely love uh, the Giants, you know, as he's not a big Daniel Jones fan, and I would imagine many Giants fans are not Daniel Jones fans, or with that contract, Albatross, around their collective franchise necks. But Michael Penix is one that he's fading in the draft, and I think he's a pivotal player because a month ago, let's rewind, and the talk was, oh, you know, he's QB4, and he's going to go in the top... You know, half of round one. Well, now expected draft position 36. So with Michael Penix falling, he really has to collect a good landing spot there to keep his superflex uh, rookie draft stock alive. Um, I think that's one of the critical elements here when you look at uh, those. And, and I do think the first half of round two is where some of these teams, uh, if they don't get the look they want, or with McCarthy, Nix, and Penix, if they don't have a high enough grade on these guys, that's when they might see if one of them, like Penix right now is the projected guy, falls to that range. Maybe it's uh, round two, maybe it's round three. They go with Spencer Rattler. So just because a team passes in round one, obviously like Will Levis, it's not a great sign. You know, if all these teams have a look at Penix in the top 16, they say no. And then someone circles back in 40s and selects Michael Penix. Um, so I just think with Michael Penix, He's not an elite uh, a prospect because he's lagging uh, in the rushing score. I don't think that's going to be a big element for him in the NFL at all. So he's got to be diabolically great, capital G great as a passer. But this fading expected draft position behind McCarthy, behind Nix, is very concerning. And so if you say he's not going to get round one pedigree, or he, especially he's not going to get top 16, then you say, well, he has to gain a good landing spot uh, that he can see time early. As a starter. And by that point, there may not be that many fits for him, for his peg to fit in that hole, because uh, again, a lot of them may have already been addressed in the top 16, plus with good enough outcomes in NFL free agency. Next, third most pivotal uh, player here for the NFL draft and for rookie drafts, Jonathan Brooks out of Texas, running back, he's not going to work out. He has an injury, uh, unfortunately. And so, this worries me a little bit because we're talking about someone that when you don't work out and you're coming off an injury, there's a wide range of outcomes. What if the, the recovery does not get you all the way back to peak powers? I really like Jonathan Brooks, the profile. He's young. He's a well-rounded, he's over 60% in projected athleticism and then confirmed rushing and receiving scores. Uh, when you look at yards per route, run, when you look at his yards after contact per attempt, He pretty much, you know, uh, strong slash elite in a lot of these areas. And so, uh, and also it's a highly competitive zone here between Blake Corum, Trey Benson, Jonathan Brooks, Braylon Allen, Bucky Irving. uh, That would probably be the big five of who could go in the top 50 to 75 of the draft. I think that's the list. And so uh, Jonathan Brooks, you know, the early mocks I saw with him uh, in January were with him as running back one. And I'm seeing that less and less. Now, part of that could be out of sight, out of mind. He's not going to be someone that can potentially rise with his workout. But, any he's one that he may not be ready week one. And certainly his year one could be affected because he's just not ready. He can't be a part of rookie mini camps. He can't really be a part of training camp. It's going to be a slow burn getting him incorporated. Now, the speed, the athleticism, the burst, um, a lot of the ancillary data, point to a high level player. So I'm standing by him, but it is a little more worrisome and you gotta be very fervent with your analysis of um, On-field speed and max speed and explosion, uh, measuring some acceleration, and all these things. Because we are not going to get the confirmed speed score and things like that with Jonathan Brooks, but he's absolutely critical because that Dallas landing spot in the late second for 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 one is going to be one that sits out there, and uh, getting round two versus round three for whether it's one, two, three of these guys it is critical in terms of the long-term odds and let's face it the more day two running backs we get in this class the better those later first round rookie picks and super flex will look next we go over to wide receiver number four player here is lad mcconkey so he's getting more and more buzz he's the type of player that um, i would completely look past if it was chad from a, a few years ago you're talking about a guy that's, you know, like six foot, 185, 190 pounds, short arms, small hands. Um, he's going to run, you know, his raw time is going to be fine, but for his weight, not very impressive. And he wasn't overly productive. You know, we're talking about a guy averaging less than 50 yards per game for his career. And you say, well, what stands out? Well, when you start looking at more granular elements where you're like, he's probably going to play, uh, He's probably going to play uh, in the slot uh, a decent amount, or at least mix in there. What's funny is a lot of people would would assume he's a higher uh, higher end slot player. Just 30%. Now that's more than uh, pretty much everybody of the top five to ten uh, wide receivers off the board, except for Malik Neighbors. But um, 2.57 yards per route run for Conkey, Really good after the catch, eluding defenders, breaking tackles. Um, but again, no breakout seasons for him. Uh, it's a Georgia team that, you know, volume wise, wasn't really going to help out their wide receivers a whole lot. And you had Brock Bowers, a huge element there for Georgia that was taking away from the wide receiver position at large. But Lad McConkey, again, when you look at uh, some of the things he's really good at, which is, for example, getting open, he didn't have a lot of contested, uh, he didn't have a lot of contested uh, targets, 12%, which is the lowest figure among these top wide receivers, which means, hey, he gets open a lot. And he gets the ball. 24% target per route run is also a very hardy figure. Um, So again, if you're looking at what type of player is he, I think his traits and his attributes and his profile blend well with that. Um, And the other critical aspect here, because we're talking about a player that doesn't have as much production as you would want, and they don't really fit the elite profile, However, right now he's on the fringe he's rising. He's firmly in the top 50, but if he goes late first, and I've said before, you get Buffalo in the late first, you get Kansas city in the late first, you get some good landing spots, some good quarterback attachment there. And especially with these profiles, if you can get the round one profile, round one pedigree versus round two, it makes a huge difference. I mentioned how AD Mitchell, Xavier Leggett, they're kind of trending the wrong way lad mcconkey's trending the right way and with with a good workout and you know a nice three cone and looking the park, catching everything there in the nfl combine he could well uh earn his way into round one a couple of months from now so a critical player there for lad mcconkey who might be more of a neutral uth valuation if he goes round two but with round one and a good landing spot he deserves to rise way up the board based on pedigree. And again, potentially uh, one of those attachments to Mahomes or Allen. Finally, player number five here to close the show, Johnny Wilson. Is he a wide receiver? Is he a tight end? I'm hoping for tight end. Now uh, his, his expected draft position of 90 is interesting. So he is moving up. Uh, He was considered more round four, round five. Now it's more round three. And this is a Darren Waller type player. Now, Darren Waller ran an elite number, whether it's for wide receiver or tight end, especially at, uh, at tight end. But Johnny Wilson is not that type of guy. Something in the four fives is what I expect for Johnny Wilson. He's six foot six, 237, 35 inch condor arms. I'm jealous <laughs> as, as having short arms myself, um, but we're talking about someone that looks completely different in the models of the wide receiver and the tight end in the in the tight end model. overall, he's got a 93% production score, 65% athleticism score. So he looks very good, basically elite. And you could argue he might be tight end two of the class behind Brock Bowers. If not, he's right there as the 2B with Jatavian Sanders uh, slightly ahead of him. So that's where he would stand within the tight end class. Now wide receiver, he just kind of blends in. You know, he he's looking like a day two guy. And again, you know, probably round three. Uh but 79% athleticism score, 41% production score. So he just looks far different. And again, a guy running four, five, eight, let's say, at his size, not that impressive. Not like Mike Evans. You know, uh he's someone that that drags down a little bit, and you wonder. Is a transition coming? I've I've seen nothing that says he's going to be drafted as a tight end, but the comments about the team that takes him will be key because Johnny Wilson in tight end premium formats and as a tight end in Dynasty is more appealing than just being another wide receiver. Pending a workout, and like I said, I expect him to run four five five to maybe four six zero four six five. I don't think that's going to be where he stands out. Again, he's supersized. He's two hundred thirty five plus pounds. But he's not Mike Evans, uh, and he does have some concerns in terms of what he's going to be as a wide receiver, where I have fewer questions. He's got some demerits. Like, for example, as a wide receiver, his 30% uh, contested target rate is concerning. Frankly, it's a it's a non-common trait. It's a very outlier trait when you talk about future fantasy starters. He also doesn't even have 10 career touchdowns. That's also a massive flag at the wide receiver position and his drop rates a concern. But if you put all this over to the wide uh the tight end position, he's a unicorn player and tight end is about unicorns. It's about strong athletes, it's about unique profiles and can you get usage out of them? And I think Johnny Wilson would be perfect as an NFL and dynasty tight end. So there you go. We're looking at the top five pivotal prospects when you look at NFL draft position and rookie drafts. And Johnny Wilson definitely qualifies because if he goes over to tight end, all of a sudden that makes those premium formats uh, for that position very interesting. Wanted to mention at the end of the show here on what you're getting over at UTH Patreon. Uh so that's patreon.com slash UTH. I mentioned Tim Torch Torches on there every week in some capacity. It might be just for a little bonus show snippet. Um or it's two or three different shows, including the weekly feature show. Um I go over UTH versus ADP this week for uh the rookie. Uh, class in general at the skill position. So you can get focused shows in that regard. Um, I also have a, a long forum show uh, discussing behind the, the curtain there at UTH a little bit uh, and the VIP shows uh, we've had submitted teams. You can be part of the VIP chat. If you sign up at Patreon and you're going to get 24 seven access where I check for questions. We've got dozens of dynasty owners best on the planet and they ended up submitting teams uh, and at least one a week for, for the past month or so. I've had dynasty team interventions. So you, they've submitted rosters, and I talk through how to get better, some things to think about in terms of team construction. Team building and dynasty trading and setting your team up for 2024. Um, and then finally, uh, a few other things in the past few days. We've got takeaways from the Super Bowl, we've got uh, wide receiver hit rates, uh, we've got tight end hit rates, um, and, and all these things that you get charts. Um, you also get a clickable information about breakout rates and the key zones for draft pedigree and how that blends together with these dynasty profiles. I'm Chad Parsons and until next time, never settle, refuse to be average and keep building those dynasties.